Chapter 3, Section 2 of Manual of Egyptian Archaeology and Guide to the Study of Antiquities in Egypt by Gaston Maspero. Translated by Amelia B. Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Chapter 3, Section 2 The Pyramids. Bracketed Note For the following translation of this section of Professor Maspero's book, I am indebted to the kindness of Mr. W. M. Flinders Petrie, whose work on The Pyramids and Temples of Giza, published with the assistance of a grant from the Royal Society in 1883, constitutes our standard authority on the construction of these pyramids. A. B. E. End of bracketed note. The royal tombs have the form of pyramids with a square base, and are the equivalent in stone or brick of the tumulus of heaped earth which was piled over the body of a warrior chief in prehistoric times. The same ideas prevailed as to the souls of kings as about those of private men. The plan of the pyramid consists, therefore, of three parts, like the mastaba, the chapel, the passage, and the sepulchral vault. The chapel is always separate. At Saqqara, no trace of it has been found. It was probably, as later on at Thebes, in a quarter nearer to the town. At Medem, Giza, Abusur, and Dashur, these temples stood at the east or north fronts of the pyramids. They were true temples with chambers, courts, and passages. The fragments of bas-reliefs hitherto found show scenes of sacrifice and prove that the decoration was the same as in the public halls of the mastabas. The pyramid, properly speaking, contained only the passages and sepulchral vault. The oldest, of which the texts show the existence, north of Abydos, is that of Snefuru, the latest belonging to the princes of the 12th dynasty. The construction of these monuments was, therefore, a continuous work, lasting for 13 or 14 centuries under government direction. Granite, alabaster and basalt for the sarcophagus and some details were the only materials of which the use and quantity was not regulated in advance, and which had to be bought from a distance. To obtain them, each king sent out one of the great men of his court on a mission to the quarries of Upper Egypt, and the quickness with which the blocks were brought back was a strong claim upon the sovereign's favour. The other material was not so costly. If mainly brick, the bricks were moulded on the spot with earth taken from the foot of the hill. If of stone, the nearest parts of the plateau provided the common Mali limestone in abundance. The fine limestone of Tura was usually reserved for the chambers and the casing, and this might be had without even sending specially for it to the opposite side of the Nile, for at Memphis there were stores always full, upon which they continually drew for public buildings, and therefore also for the royal tombs. The blocks being taken from these stores, and borne by boats to close below the hill, were raised to their required places along gently sloping causeways. The internal arrangement of the pyramids, the lengths of the passages and their heights, were very variable. The pyramid of Khufu, bracket, Cheops, close bracket, rose to 475 feet above the ground, the smallest was not 30 feet high. The difficulty of imagining now what motives determined the pharaohs to choose such different proportions has led some to think that the mass built was in direct proportion to the time occupied in building, that is to say, to the length of each reign. Thus it was supposed that the king would begin by hastily erecting a pyramid large enough to contain the essential parts of a tomb, and then, year by year, would add fresh layers around the first core, until the time when his death forever arrested the growth of the monument. 
but the facts do not justify this hypothesis. The smallest of the pyramids of Saqqara is that of Unas, who reigned 30 years, while the two imposing pyramids of Giza were raised by Khufu and Khafra, bracket, Shephron, close bracket, who governed Egypt, the one for 24, and the other for 23 years. Mirenra, who died very young, had a pyramid as large as that of Pepi II, whose reign lasted more than 90 years. The plan of each pyramid was laid down once and for all by the architect according to the instructions which he had received and the resources placed at his disposal. He then followed it out to the end of the work without increasing or reducing the scale. The pyramids were supposed to have their four faces to the four cardinal points, like the mustabas, but either from bad management or neglect, the greater part are not oriented exactly, and many very distinctly, from the true north. Without speaking of the ruins of Abu Roash or Zoat el Aryan, which have not been studied closely enough, they naturally form six groups distributed from north to south on the border of the Libyan plateau, from Giza to the Fayum, by Abu Sur, Saqqara, Dashur, and Lisht. The Giza group contains nine, including those of Khufu, Khafra, and Menkara, which were anciently reckoned among the wonders of the world. The ground on which the pyramid of Khufu stands was very irregular at the time of construction. A small rocky height which rose above the surface was roughly cut and enclosed in masonry, the rest being smoothed and covered with large slabs, some of which still remain. The pyramid itself was 481 feet high and 755 feet wide, dimensions which the injuries of time have reduced to 454 feet and 750 feet respectively. It preserved, until the Arab conquest, a casing of stones of different colours, so skilfully joined as to appear like one block from base to summit. The casing work was begun from the top, and the cap placed on first, the steps being covered one after the other until they reached the bottom. In the inside, all was arranged so as to hide the exact place of the sarcophagus and to baffle any spoilers whom chance or perseverance had led aright. The first point was to discover the entrance under the casing which masked it. It was nearly in the middle of the north face, but at the level of the 18th course, at about 45 feet from the ground. When the block which closed it was displaced, an inclined passage, 41.2 inches wide and 47.6 inches high, was revealed, the lower part of which was cut in the rock. This descended for 317 feet, passed through an unfinished chamber, and ended 60 feet farther in a blind passage. This would be a first disappointment to the spoilers. If, however, they were not discouraged, but examined the passage with care, they would find in the roof, 62 feet distant from the door, a block of granite among the surrounding limestone. It was so hard that the seekers, having vainly tried to break or remove it, took the course of forcing a way through the softer stone around. This obstacle passed, they came into an ascending passage which joins the first at an angle of 120 degrees, and is divided into two branches. One branch runs horizontally into the centre of the pyramid, and ends in a limestone chamber with pointed roof, which is called, without any good reason, the Queen's Chamber. The other, continuing upward, changes its form and appearance. It becomes a gallery 148 feet long and 28 feet high, built of mokatam stone, so polished and finely wrought that it is difficult to put a, quote, needle or even a hair, end quote, into the joints. The lower courses are vertical. The seven others, quote, corbel, end quote, forwards, until at the roof they are only 21 inches apart. A fresh obstacle arose at the end of this gallery, 
the passage which led to the chamber of the sarcophagus was closed by a slab of granite farther on was a small vestibule divided in equal spaces by four portcullises of granite which would need to be broken the royal sepulchre is a granite chamber with a flat roof nineteen feet high thirty four feet long and seventeen feet wide here are neither figures nor inscriptions nothing but a granite sarcophagus lidless and mutilated such were the precautions taken against invaders and the result showed that they were effectual for the pyramid guarded its deposit during more than four thousand years but the very weight of the materials was a more serious danger to prevent the sepulchral chamber from being crushed by the three hundred feet of stone which stood over it five low hollow spaces one over the other were left above it the last is sheltered by a pointed roof formed by two enormous slabs leaning one against the other thanks to this device the central pressure was thrown almost entirely on the side faces and the chamber was preserved none of the stones which cover it have been crushed none have yielded a fraction since the day when the workmen cemented them into their places the pyramids of Khafra and Menkara were built on a different plan inside to that of khufu Khafra's had two entrances both to the north one from the platform before the pyramid the other fifty feet above the ground Menkara still preserves the remains of its casing of red granite the entrance passage descends at an angle of twenty six degrees and soon runs into the rock the first chamber is decorated with panels sculpted in the stone which was closed at the further end by three portcullises of granite the second chamber appears to be unfinished but this was a trap to deceive the spoilers a passage cut in the floor and carefully hidden gave access to a lower chamber there lay the mummy in a sarcophagus of sculptured basalt the sarcophagus was still perfect at the beginning of this century removed thence by colonel howard vise it founded on the spanish coast with the ship which was bearing it to england the same variety of arrangement prevails in the groups of abusir and in one part of the saqqara group the great pyramid of saqqara is not oriented with exactness the north face is turned four degrees twenty one minutes east of the true north it is not a perfect square but is elongated from east to west the sides being three hundred ninety five and three hundred fifty one feet it is a hundred ninety six feet high and is formed of six great steps with inclined faces each retreating about seven feet the step nearest the ground is thirty seven and a half feet high and the top one is twenty nine feet high it is built entirely of limestone quarried from the neighbouring hills the blocks are small and badly cut and the course is a concave according to the plan applied both to quays and to fortresses on examining the breaches in the masonry it is seen that the outer face of each step is coated with two layers each of which has its regular casing the mass is solid the chambers being cut in the rock below the pyramid it has four entrances the main one being in the north and the passages form a perfect labyrinth which is perilous to enter porticos with columns galleries and chambers all end in a kind of pit in the bottom of which a hiding place was contrived doubtless intended to contain the most precious objects of the funeral furniture the pyramids which surround this extraordinary monument have been nearly all built on one plan and only differ in their proportions the door opens close below the first course about the middle of the north face and the passage descends by a gentle slope between two walls of limestone it is plugged up all along by large blocks which needed to be broken up before the first chamber could be entered beyond this chamber it is carried for some way through the limestone rock 
then it passes between walls ceiling and floor of polished syenite after which the limestone reappears and the passage opens in the vestibule the part built of granite is interrupted thrice at intervals of two to two and a half feet by three enormous portcullises of granite above each of these a hollow is left in which the portcullis stone could be held up by props and thus leave a free passage the mummy once placed inside the workmen as they left removed the supports and the portcullises fell into place cutting off all communication with the outside the vestibule was flanked on the east by a flat roof serdab divided into three niches and encumbered with chips of stone swept hastily in by workmen when they cleared the chambers to receive the mummy the pyramid of unas has all three niches preserved but in the pyramids of teti and of merenra the separating walls have been neatly cut away in ancient times without leaving any trace but a line of attachment and a whiter colour in the stone where it had originally been covered the sarcophagus chamber extends west of the vestibule the sarcophagus was placed there along the west wall feet to the south head to the north the roof over the two main chambers was pointed it was formed of large beams of limestone joined at the upper ends and supported below upon a low bench which surrounded the chamber outside the first beams were covered by two others and these by two more and the six altogether thoroughly protected the vestibule of the vault the pyramids of giza belong to the pharaohs of the fourth dynasty and those of abyssia to the pharaohs of the fifth the five pyramids of saqqara of which the plan is uniform belong to unas and to the first four kings of the sixth dynasty teti pepi the first merenra and pepi the second and are contemporary with the mastabas with painted vaults which i have mentioned above it is therefore no matter of surprise to find them inscribed and decorated the ceilings are covered with stars to represent the night sky the rest of the decoration is very simple in the pyramid of unas which is the most ornamented the decoration occupies only the end wall of the sepulchral chamber the part against the sarcophagus was lined with alabaster and engraved to represent great monumental doors through which the deceased was supposed to enter his storerooms of provisions the figures of men and of animals the scenes of daily life the details of the sacrifice are not here represented and moreover would not be in keeping they belong to those places where the double lived his public life and where visitors actually performed the rites of offering the passages in vault in which the soul alone was free to wander needed no ornamentation except that which related to the life of the soul the texts are of two kinds one kind of which there are the fewest refer to the nourishment of the double and are literal transcriptions of the formulae by which the priests ensured the transmission of each object to the other world this was a last resource for him in case the real sacrifices should be discontinued or the magic scenes upon the chapel walls be destroyed the greater part of the inscriptions were of a different kind they referred to the soul and were intended to preserve it from the dangers which awaited it in heaven and on earth they revealed to it the sovereign incantations which protected it against the bites of serpents and venomous animals the password which enabled it to enter into the company of the good gods and the exorcisms which counteracted the influence of the evil gods the destiny of the double was to continue to lead the shadow of its terrestrial life and fulfil it in the chapel the destiny of the soul was to follow the sun across the sky and it therefore needed the instructions which it read upon the walls of the vault it was by their virtue that the absorption of the dead into osiris became complete and that they enjoyed hereafter all the immunity of the divine state above in the chapel they were men and acted as men but here they were gods 
and acted as gods. The enormous rectangular mass, which the Arabs call Mastabat el Faraun, the seat of the pharaoh, stands beside the pyramid of Pepi II. Some have thought it to be an unfinished pyramid, some a tomb surmounted by an obelisk. In reality, it is a pyramid which was left unfinished by its builder, King Ati of the Sixth Dynasty. Recent excavations here have, on the other hand, shown that the brick pyramids of Dashur probably belong to the Twelfth Dynasty. The stone pyramids of that group, which may be older, furnish a curious variation from the usual type. One of these stone pyramids has the lower half inclined at 54 degrees 41 minutes, while the upper part changes sharply to 42 degrees 59 minutes. It might be called a mustaba crowned by a gigantic attic. At Lisht, where the two pyramids now standing are of the same period, open bracket, one of them was erected by Usatesen I, close bracket, the structure is again changed. The sloping passage ends in a vertical shaft, at the bottom of which open chambers, now filled by the infiltration of the Nile. The pyramids of Ilahun and Hawara, which contained the remains of Usatesen and Amenemhat III, are of the same type as those at Lisht. Their rooms are now filled with water. The pyramid at Medem is empty, having been violated before the Ramesside age. It consists of three square towers, with sides slightly sloping, placed in retreating stages, one over the other. The entrance is on the north, at about 53 feet above the sand. After 60 feet, the passage goes into the rock. At 174 feet, it runs level. At 40 feet farther, it stops, and turns perpendicularly towards the surface, opening in the floor of a vault 21 feet higher. A set of beams and ropes still in place above the opening show that spoilers drew the sarcophagus out of the chamber in ancient times. Its small chapel, built against the eastern slope of the pyramid, with courtyard containing a low, flat altar, between two standing stelae nearly 14 feet high, was found intact. The walls of the chamber were uninscribed and bare, but the graffiti found there proved that the place was much visited during the times of the 18th dynasty by scribes, who recorded their admiration of the beauty of the monument, and believed that King Sneferu had raised it for himself and for his queen, Merizanku. The custom of building pyramids did not end with the 12th dynasty. There are later pyramids at Manfalut, at Hekali, to the south of Abydos, and at Mohammeria to the south of Esne. Until the Roman period, the semi-barbarous sovereigns of Ethiopia held it as a point of honour to give the pyramid form to their tombs. The oldest, those of Nuri, where the pharaohs of Napata sleep, recall by their style the pyramids of Saqqara. The latest, those of Meroe, present fresh characteristics. They are higher than they are wide, are built of small blocks, and are sometimes decorated at the angles with rounded borderings. The east face has a false window, surmounted by a cornice, and is flanked by a chapel, which is preceded by a pylon. These pyramids are not all dumb, as in ordinary tombs, the walls contain scenes borrowed from the ritual of burial, or showing the vicissitudes of the life beyond the grave. End of chapter 3, section 2. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.